Did you know that it's Best Friends Day? Today, by the way, is Monday, June 8th, and as your internet bestie, I wish you a happy Best Friends Day. But if you have an in-real-life best friend, you should probably shoot her a text message today now, too. Hi and hello. You found the podcast for moms who don't have time for podcasts. You can think of me as your internet bestie as we share recommendations, laugh about the ridiculous things we see online, and cheer each other on. I'm Indiana Adams, and today, by the way, is the short and sweet podcast that hopefully brightens your day. I am so glad you're here. One of my favorite, favorite quotes about best friends is from The Mindy Project. What if I quoted Mindy Kaling every episode? (laughs) Well, she said to Danny, she said, I'm going to a party with my best friend from college, Maggie. And then Danny asked, how many best friends do you have? And then Mindy matter-of-factly says, best friend isn't a person, Danny. It's a tear. And in that TV moment, I don't know if my soul had ever felt so seen. (laughs) When I was a kid, I did not have a best friend. And in elementary school, that really bothered me. I knew that Christy Klaus and Jennifer Fletcher were best friends, that Kristen Engel and Sarah Gates were best friends, that Amanda Ains and Mandy Moss were best friends. I know that some other girls liked me. I had two friends named Amanda in elementary school, but I don't know if they saw me as their best friend. When I was a kid, a best friend was definitely just one person. They made BFF necklaces and they only broke in half. You didn't have a necklace that you could give to all of your friends who graduated to the best friend tier. I mean, I wish that would have existed. You know, maybe that's how friendship bracelets came to be. When I was growing up, my grandmother carried a lot of shame about our small house and the state of it, so I wasn't allowed to have a person over if she thought our house would be a point of embarrassment for her. This often meant I couldn't reciprocate and have a friend over if I were invited over to someone's house. I started to seek out friends who would have me over, over and over again, and who had parents that didn't seem to mind that we never returned the favor. And and you know what? I am so incredibly grateful to families like the Ketchums, who had me over all the time, and my friend Domini, where I practically lived during the seventh grade. Those families had to have known my family life and loved me and fed me well, treated me like one of their own, and I think of them often now that I'm a parent. I hope that if my kids ever make friends with a lonely kid, that our home can be a home of refuge for them too. Growing up, most of the time, I felt like a bonus friend, like the third girl in a group, or like a girl that was invited to something because, well, all the other girls were invited and so her parents made me get invited too. I carried some of that feeling into adulthood. When I first moved here, I remember hearing other women at church make plans to go to a movie, and I remember standing there thinking, what about me? I felt like all of my friends that I met at church were in these established friend groups, and then when I did start getting invited to things, I couldn't shake the feeling that I was only being invited because I was with an earshot or that I just looked so hungry and had these big pleading eyes to be included. Sometimes my extroversion feels like a burden. I don't think I'm an extrovert because I was born this way. I think I became an extrovert because I've tasted deep loneliness as an only child in a house where I was pretty much left alone 
And, and then I went through a hard season after we moved here and I felt very, very lonely. I put a lot of really unfair expectations on some women in my church to fulfill me in a way that they were never going to live up to, and it caused a lot of disappointment for me. I sometimes wonder if it would be easier to be introverted. I have a scarcity complex when it comes to people and genuine friendships. Honestly, if I had a billion dollars, it would be my dream to have a big plot of land with a bunch of houses on it so all my dear friends and their families could be in one place. Don't call it a commune. That sounds creepy. More like mm, more like a co-op with a creek where the kids can play and collectively we can raise chickens and bees and baby goats and have a garden together. The homeschoolers can do homeschool together. We could share the cost of music lessons. I'd trade websites for things like someone else doing my laundry. So, okay, okay, that sounds like a commune, but but not creepy. <laughs> Here's a kind of embarrassing confession. I have a terrible hobby at looking at houses that I'm never going to buy. I used to shop online at Anthropology and put things in my virtual shopping cart and then never purchase said things. I mean, there's this $1,000 wooden chair that's shaped like a hand that I've been putting into my cart for like five years now. I'm never going to buy it, but I get online, I look at it, and I'm like, ooh, and then I put it in my online shopping cart. But for the last three years, I will go to a friend's house and then have such a marvelous time that I will come home and start looking for houses within walking distance of their house. The highest compliment anyone could ever give me is, I wish we were neighbors. Tonight, we had dinner with the family of one of Chris's friends from college. And when it was time to leave, two of my kids got teary because they had such a good time. I was kicking myself, honestly. When we first moved to Georgia, we had looked at a house four down from theirs, but ultimately we decided to buy the house that we live in now, which is about 30 minutes away from them. Watching our kids play in the creek together for hours was so good for all of our souls. I came in and immediately bookmarked a one-acre lot down the creek from their house to the tune of half a million dollars that we are never going to (laughs) buy. But man, a girl can dream, can't she? In some ways, I wonder if we've done society a big disservice by putting autonomy above most other things. I often wonder what a village mentality is like, where neighbors are in each other's lives, bearing the burdens of the village together, and each playing an essential role. I'm curious if introverts dream of things like this, or is this just the fantasy of extroverts? I'm just telling you now, if this podcast ever makes Joe Rogan kind of money, and you guys have the power to make that happen, I promise that I will buy us a big plot of land and you are invited to build a house on it. But someone's got to promise to do my laundry in exchange. Hey, we're going to take a quick break to spotlight today's sponsor. Okay, it is time to think outside the barbecue and alcohol and sports-related gifts for dads. Father's Day is coming up. It's June 21st, and I promise, dads like thoughtful, sentimental gifts too. One of the best gifts we've ever given Chris's parents has been the chance to connect with us and our children through StoryWorth. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your loved ones share stories through thought-provoking questions and their memories and their personal thoughts. 
It's the gift of spending time together wherever you live and recording stories that may be lost forever otherwise. Every week, StoryWorth emails your family members different story prompts, questions you may have never thought to ask, like, what were your grandparents like? Or, tell me about your first big trip. Reading the answers from Chris's parents has been so sweet. We've been able to learn so much about Papa Tim since giving him StoryWorth. Here's what I love most about StoryWorth. After a year, StoryWorth will compile every answered question and include uploaded photos that we choose to include and combine them into a lovely keepsake book that's shipped for free. And you can pay for extra copies. My family will treasure these books forever, and I can have extra copies made for Papa Tim's other two kids and their kids too. Give your dad the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash today, by the way. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash today, by the way, for $10 off. And now back to the show. I do think that best friends is a tier and not just one particular person, especially now as an adult. I read a statistic from a recent research project that said the average Facebook user has 155 friends on the platform, but only considers 43 contacts to be genuine friends, but would only trust four of their Facebook friends in a crisis. And so I did a quick glance through my own personal Facebook account, and I found that to be pretty much true for me. Of those four, the friend who's been my friend the longest is my friend B. I've talked about her on the show before. She's my friend from college. We did the Disney College program together, and she was the maid of honor in my wedding. I had a small wedding, so in truth, she was the only bridal attendant I had. We, we kept it simple. If you've ever done one of our Instagram Lives or Friday Night Face Off, you may have met her. She's usually there. Anyway, on paper, I'm not sure we'd be friends. B was a year behind me in school at our conservative Christian college called Olivet, and she was a quiet, dutiful, conservative nursing major, and I was a loud, boundary-pushing religion major. The first time she ever laid eyes on me was at church. She was in the pew behind me, and she was shocked that my boyfriend at the time had his hand on my thigh in church. Shock me, shock me with that deviant behavior. (laughs) Her friend, whom, whom I'll call Abby, became friends with my best guy friend, Matt, and Abby was a user. She'd only call Matt when she needed a ride to the store because Matt had a car and she did not. I was not a fan of Abby, but Brooke and I kept being thrown together in social situations because our friends were friends. Eventually, we started hanging out without Matt and Abby, and we just really hit it off. She was easygoing, she was okay with my brashness, and she was a good listener. We struggled in the same ways academically and being motivated, unsure if we should be at Olivet at all. And so when I decided to drive to Florida to audition for the real world and to interview for the Disney College program, she decided to go with me. And then we both got the Disney College program and did not get the real world. (laughs) I'm telling you, when you go through major life changes together and come out on the other side knowing a lot of dirt on someone and still loving them unconditionally, you've found a forever friend. I'm grateful for her. We have lived together in Florida and in California and in Texas, and we now have sons who are the same age, and and she is one of the first people I text when I need prayer or when I'm celebrating something. 
I want to honor B on National Best Friends Day by sharing the dumbest things we've ever done together in this friendship that has now existed for half of our lives. I have like hundreds of stories that I could share, but one of my favorite ones is how our desire for donuts almost made us miss a flight. We had booked a flight together somewhere. Maybe for a wedding? Yes, yes. It must have been for our friend's Janae's wedding, which was a renaissance wedding, complete with jugglers and a choreographer who came to teach the bridal party a medieval court dance. And B and I were living in Monterey, California at the time, in my mom's house after the Disney College program, and we were headed to Illinois for Janae's wedding. We were about two hours away from the San Francisco airport for some awful reason. We had booked a 6 a.m. flight. We needed to be there at 4 a.m., which meant we needed to leave the house around 2 a.m. Because I'm a terrible driver and always get lost or miss a turn, we left sometime between midnight and 1 a.m., uncharacteristically early, just to be safe. I was driving, and on the highway somewhere outside San Jose, we saw a Krispy Kreme truck, like a box truck that said Krispy Kreme, you know? Delivering donuts, presumably. There is not a Krispy Kreme anywhere near Monterey, California. So jokingly, Brooke said, follow that truck. And I looked at the time and realized we had plenty of time. So I said, okay, let's do it. So I legit tailed this truck. We followed that truck for a while. And when he exited the highway, we were certain that he was going to lead us to a Krispy Kreme. Y'all, this was like, a long time ago. It wasn't the medieval period, but it was way before we had GPS on our cell phones. So I'm following this truck and it's driving for a while and finally pulls into a gas station. The driver gets out to fill his tank and I ask, are you going to Krispy Kreme? We've been following you to get there. And and the driver, bless him, he looks so confused and, and dare I say a little frightened. <laughs> He stammers that he is not en route to Krispy Kreme, that he was off work and was going home for the night and we were not near a Krispy Kreme at all. We we were super disappointed, marginally embarrassed, but we made our way back to the highway where we barely, barely made our flight. I think best friends tell you when something is a dumb idea when it matters, but they're up for an adventure and a dumb idea when it doesn't matter. B always talks me out of bangs because she knows that every time I get them, I hate my hair for like two years until they grow out. But she's always in support of whatever ridiculous outfit I want to try. (laughs) I tell her if I think a guy that she's interested in is bad news, but I'm in full support if she wants to eat a whole jar of Nutella over a weekend. More importantly, Brooke was for my marriage when I wasn't even sure I was for my marriage. I love her because at the height of the hard stuff in my marriage, B never told me, hey, just do what makes you happy. She never badmouthed Chris, and instead she said, I am by your side no matter what. You are not alone in this. When I count my blessings, B is near the very top of that list. But it's also really hard when your best friend doesn't live near you. She's in Charleston, and I'm here in Atlanta, so we really only see each other twice a year or so. I do think it's important to have a friend locally that you can go to when you need face-to-face interaction and whom you can call in an emergency. I started praying for that friend when I had a ruptured ovarian cyst and I was laying in my driveway in pain while my kids were playing outside. 
I was laying there in the fetal position, scrolling through my phone, wondering who I could call to come watch my kids and who could I have drive me to the hospital. I had no one. I ended up calling a neighbor that I didn't know very well and waiting for Chris to come home, even though his commute was over an hour. That night, I laid in my closet and I cried. I started to really regret moving to Georgia. If this were Texas, I could have had a small army over to help. I was like, why did we ever leave that behind? So that night, that night, I just started praying for just one friend, just one friend. I'm very thankful to be in a season where I have three good friends here, all within a 10-minute drive that I can call in an emergency. My friend Amy sent me a photo once of her kneeling in prayer for me when I told her about my skin cancer diagnosis. My friend Ansley rushed to the hospital when adenomyosis landed me in there. My friend Katie dropped off a gift with a card that said, I'm sorry it feels like you're falling apart the week of my birthday when it was a really hard week. My good health and my job ended in a span of about 48 hours. But here's why I do this podcast. I know that not everybody has a B or an Amy or an Ansley or a Katie. I know this because I worked for two companies that served mothers and the top search results on the web pages were iterations of lonely or loneliness. Like that's what people would type into the search bar of the website like at two in the morning. I know that motherhood can be really isolating. You're beholden to nap schedules and nursing. And now, now you may be choosing to lay low during the pandemic. I get messages all the time that tell me that sometimes I'm the only adult voice that someone has heard in a day, or that this show helps take the edge off of feeling alone. I want Joe Rogan money so that we can all live together and kick this up to in real life besties. But in the meantime, it is my hope that this podcast can feel a little like the houses I went to as a kid, a fun spot where you can just relax where you can laugh and think and take a moment to forget how lonely this season can feel sometimes. I do not take this job lightly, and I am committed to creating a space online where our internet relationships can grow from surface level to something with more impact. And I don't need Joe Rogan money to do that. As a reminder, our community challenge this week is to widen our circles and to be intentional about educating ourselves and our families about systemic racism. I'm here for you if you'd like specific resources, so shoot me a DM anytime. For this week's Good Time Good Deal, if you sign up for the Krispy Kreme Rewards Program, you get a free donut. While you're there picking up your free donut, pick up one of their free paper hats. Pick up four of their free paper hats. Take them home and decorate them and then set an alert on your phone. If you bring the decorated hat back on Saturday, June 20th, the day before Father's Day, you get another free donut. There's a limit of four paper hats per transaction, but everyone, up to four of you, will get one free original glazed donut per person. And this will work in the drive-thru, so you don't even have to get out of your car and risk anyone seeing you wearing the ridiculous hat. Check to see if there's a Krispy Kreme near you at KrispyKreme.com slash locate. Please do not just start following a donut truck and hope he leads you there. 
Okay, friend, that is it for today. Show notes are at todaybytheway.com slash episodes, and the show has its own Instagram account and Facebook account at Today By The Way, where there's a discussion thread for the episode now. My personal Instagram is Indiana Adams, and I'd love to connect with you in both places. Hey, I know that these last couple of weeks have been draining emotionally for a lot of people, just based on the conversations I've been having with others. I want to read something that Ashley Island, who is the author of Humankind and a pastor out of Michigan, I want to read you something that she wrote on Instagram that really helped me today. Ashley wrote, Say what you need to on social media, then put down your phone and pick up your life. Not many will see you learning, confessing, repenting, uprooting, retooling, forgiving, inviting, empowering, but we will see its fruit. The hidden work is the heart work is the hard work. You're not alone in your fight against injustice, and you're not alone in the work of motherhood. If you're tired, rest. Rest may mean taking a nap. Rest may mean having a really silly conversation about something not important. Rest may mean simply sitting across the table from a friend for a meal or a cup of coffee. We'll talk more about rest on Friday, but in the meantime, remember, rest is not something you have to earn. Today is a new day, and friend, I am cheering you on.